Physique University, your source for all things physique enhancement. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to Elite Physique University. I'm John Gorman, your host. We're here with part one of two of an Ask Us Anything episode. These are going to be a blast. Jason, what's going on, man? How are you? Everything's going great. Um, you know, I honestly, like, business is good. Uh, you know, supplement line business is good. Uh, family's good. I, um, I got a lot done today. And actually, it was when I got back from the gym, it was kind of light. My 15-year-old was still here. The pool was looking real nice. It's sunny. So I took the boys out for an hour and just got a little sun and then got some dinner. And here we are. So I really can't complain, man. You know, it's, it's all good stuff. Well, I think, I think that's a good thing to kind of lead us into either, you know, what's something new we've learned this week or what's new with us. I saw a picture that you posted on IG and yeah. you were talking about hitting some new lows and dude, yeah. you're looking pretty, pretty gnarly. What's going on there? Uh, well, you know, um, over the winter I put back in, uh, I put in a six meal and I started eating at 8am again. And that was just to grow the little bit. Like I'm not trying to get huge or anything, but just to be, you know, a little bit extra calories. But over time, man, my digestion always starts to just bog down, like more constipate or not, not constipate, more gassy, just more bloat. Um, and so I went back to fasting and it just really works well for me at this point in my life. Um, so I fast from like 10 30 PM to 11 PM, something like that until, um, 11 30 in the morning, I get up, I have my coffee. Now I do put some gourmet greens in my coffee. And so there's four calories there. And so the purest of fasting would say I've, that's not, you know, a true fast, but they can fuck off. <laughs> it's a fast. I'm starving the whole morning. <laughs> um, and you know, I've got a lot of leaner because what I did was I did not take my calories and shove them into five. I just lopped a meal off. So I'm probably getting 200 grams of protein, you know, 330 grams of carbs. And then, you know, I'm a low fat guy, about 30. I do about 10 grams of a MCT pre and 10 post. And then a lot of it's just uh, fish oils and things like that the rest of the day. Um, but it's really served me well, man. My digestion feels good again. My pumps are amazing. And yeah, like I hit a new low in weight and my body's looking real good. I, I just wish if my lower back would stay as lean as the rest of me, it's not bad, but it's, it, I couldn't get on stage with it. Like I, from where I'm at right now, I'd have to push, you know, for about four, four or five weeks and I'd be ready. Something like that. What do you, what do you weigh in when you wake up in the morning? In the morning, I was down to 182.8 today Jesus. when I went to the gym and posted those pics, I was 187. Yeah, that's, that's lean, man. Like I yeah. saw, I, I knew when I saw the pictures, you could see splits all the way to the top of your quads. Correct. I knew, yeah. I knew you had to be sitting pretty, pretty. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my skin's feeling real thin. It's just a little pinch on the lower back and then a little off the glutes. It'd be about, I think it'd be about four pounds. And then, like I said, about four weeks, I'd be, I'd be where I would need to be. But, you know, I'm, I'm focused on business and putting out good content and all the good stuff we got going on. Um, but it's just, you know, I love bodybuilding, man. I love, I love just going through the process, whether I'm getting on stage or not, <laughs> you know, I'm going to look good for the, for the Theobald classic when I have pool parties. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's about all I get to do. And, and we got a trip planned for Vegas. So, you know, got, got to, got to show the young bucks how it's done. Well, man, it sounds like life is good. I'm going to go ahead and crack something here for me. That's uh, it's kind of a little celebratory drink here. By the way, I, I'm not pounding the monsters like they're going out of style. I'm still keeping those to a minimum. As you know, behind the scenes, I'm yes. working on some gut health stuff. But Correct. I can't cut 100% of sweeteners out. I can't. But I've, I've got it very low. Making good improvements, by the way. Good. Uh, good, and good. we'll talk more about that because I've got some feedback for you because you've been awesome. helping me. Um, yes. 
but I did want to crack that because the thing I want to talk about real quick, and then we'll get on to our questions. Um, as dude, and you've known this for a long time now, cause you're one of the guys behind the scenes that knows the stuff I'm involved in. I launched the fat muscle supplement, yep. um, line for the first time and dude, Congrats, it was sir. really cool, man. Yeah. I was really happy with it. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about that real quick, yeah. not to try and plug my products and sell all no, that do stuff. It. Like, no, I just, I just want to kind of give it, you know, a behind the scenes peek into what we did. So what I did is, you know, at the gym I own. I quietly invited, you know, 40 to 45 people there that have been there since the very beginning that have been buying the fat muscle project apparel, like shirts and all that stuff. And we'd have events at the gym to not, you know, launch new stuff and they'd all show up. And like for the past two years, it's been this cool group of people. And I thought, you know what, man, they, these people, I owe them a debt. And it's just, it's dudes the same way as our clients. We owe our clients a debt. They're the people that get us to the point where we can launch a supplement company or we can, you know, have 100%. a successful podcast or speak and do all these things. Like we owe those people a debt. So I gathered them there on purpose. And they were the first ones that got to see, you know, the, the six products that I launched with. And then I went live on Facebook and it was kind of hard to hear because I was in a, in a big, you know, in a big open gym, but right, we launched right. it there live and it got a huge reception. And uh, the main point is I just want to get that across to them and the people listening is, is thank you. But I, I owe a debt to everybody. And no matter you know, if we get gigantic, huge, or, you know, we're mildly successful. It doesn't really matter. I just want people to understand that I'm very, very appreciative to the people that, that we owe that debt to. So I, you know, if you're listening on the podcast and, and you're one of those people, thank you very much. We really appreciate it. I mean, do we have a gigantic, I told you behind the scenes before we started this, you know, pretty good for a launch. I would imagine, you know, the numbers yeah. I told you, I'm not going to say I'm here. Um, yeah. Dude, I was pretty happy with that. So Definitely. we're excited. I, I am going to put the uh, link in, in your show notes. So it's fatmuscleproject.com. That's fat like P-H-A-T. So um, that's really all I'm going to say about that. And just wanted to, to thank everybody. So yeah, I'm glad um, you had a good launch, man. I mean, it's, uh, it's, a, it's another new venture for you. So, you know, I hope everything goes real good for you. Yeah, it's it's just one of those things where we've got to be able to um I, I've got to be able to consistently challenge myself, man, or I just get fucking bored. So it's kind of the it's kind of the next thing. So I'm looking forward to it. Lots to learn. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Like this is as you know, yep. This is a different monster. Like this yep. is different. So Yeah, we were talking about some of the things before we started that you kinda of gotta stay up on. It's just, you know. Yeah, I'll fuck it up and learn from it. it yes. It, that's the yep. fun. Yep. So speaking of, we've messed up and learned so much over the years. We're able to have a podcast and do a huge Q&A. So let's just go ahead and yes, let's, sir. let's get into this, man. Um, first question comes from Tanya Baker. She says, I've heard coaches preaching to have a refeed or a cheat meal on a day off. And some others say that you should train if you're going to do a high carb day or, or a calorie surplus day. How do you both do it with your clients? And Jason, I love this question because I don't know if you and I have ever actually talked about this debated it or anything like yeah. that. Cliff, Cliff yeah. and I have different views but I don't really know exactly what you like to do with your clients so do you like right. an off day or do you like to have people train and then do a high car day kind of what's your thoughts on that yeah so this has changed for me over the years I think the best way for me to answer my opinion is um, used to it was always a training day um, and so, you know, they get their high carbs, but you know, I would a lot of times say, you know, train uh, a weak body part or, Hey, let's train legs or back a big body part, just depending. And then, um, over the years though, you know, I've gotten a little bit more, um, dialed in on it. So I know I've noticed that sometimes people, um, you know, the day they're eating their carbs because they, they don't, 
really digest fast or process them fast, their energy doesn't really seem to spike as much. And they do better, you know, with more energy the next day or even the second day. So I might have them train a weak body part a day later. Um, and, you know, honestly, I'm finding with a lot of females um, that just aren't great uh, cortisol metabolizers that now I'm having them take their, their high carb days on complete off days. And then I might do anywhere from one quarties, uh, per meal, or I might do two caps like every three to four hours. And what I'm doing is I'm really resetting cortisol really hard on them. And then we're pushing on the other days. And so a lot of my females are on that setup. I still have a lot of my males, because they don't seem to get hit as hard by cortisol. I mean, I look at labs and they just don't. Um, I still have a lot of my men, you know, refeeding on either like a weak body part or either having the weak body part the next day um, or a big body part. But for females, I've really kind of changed grounds. Now that I've said that, I do still have plenty of females that, you know, might be on PEDS. Uh, so I don't have to worry about the cortisol as much. Still could be an issue, but not as much. I still might have them train on their refeed days. But natural women, or especially women who have came to me with already having hormonal issues, a lot of their setups, uh, the high-carb days are on complete rest. No cardio, nothing. Yeah, and that's super, super interesting because generally for the last 10 years, I've told all my clients, I want you to train in the higher rep ranges. I want you to get more depleted because it improves insulin sensitivity. Like all the, all the key things that I've been teaching people for years, I'm still, I'm still set in those ways. And it wasn't yeah. until probably in the last 18 months, you and I have talked a lot, or I would hear you speak at the summit about some of the issues with natural females. Well, guess what? That's a pretty big chunk of the clients that I train with. Right. And, you know, because, you know, natural figure competitors or bikini or just what have you. And it really does have me rethinking my ways of how to do things. I kind of watched how you do things with Leslie from the side. Yep. Um, you had her take some high carb days, 250 carbs, sometimes back to back days, 250 yep, exactly. days off. And here, here's my thinking with that. And, and I think you're really going well with like developing new ways to work with females. Keep spearheading that because it's, it's leading me to think outside of my box. But if someone has a refeed on Sunday and they don't train, but they can train hard as fuck because not only are they carb back up, but they're completely rested. Cortisol's lower. Maybe Monday and Tuesday are better days in the gym for them because they've actually had a day or two off right there around the refeed. So it's, it's got my wheels turning. I'm super, super interested with that. Um, so keep dialing that in, man. I, I, you know, at some point when you're ready to talk about it, we'll just do a whole episode on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cortisol we, resets, we especially I'm still playing with things. Um, and getting it right. Cause like you just brought up something that I'm kind of moving a little bit away from. Like I did with Leslie, I had two higher days back to back. Well, I'm finding some women, if I push them hard for five days, the recovery's going to shit that fifth and fourth day, they're really struggling. So now I'm starting to be like, okay, so every th I'll do like three days of training and then a complete off day with high carbs and then two days of training and then a complete off day with high carbs. And that's seeming to work a little bit better. Now, there are some women who like Leslie responded really well to the full rest days back to back, but some bodies can't process it and I got to be pushed too hard on the five days to get to make to break any ground. So I'm still playing with it, still teasing it out, but I 100% know that there has to be a shift in order to keep women more healthy. 
Yeah. And I think someone like Leslie, she definitely responded well to two days off because that girl trains like a beast, like Correct. CrossFit, cardio, yes. the whole nine yards. So 100%. a lot of people aren't going to be as depleted and as, or as run into the ground with no. their CNS as, no. as she is. So yeah, maybe not everybody. So that's, you know, if coaches are listening coaches, by the way, this is why this is all an art form. Like every yeah. single person so different. 100%. It's just so interesting that, you know, the, the older we get and the more advanced we get and the more knowledgeable, and, you know, more wisdom, we actually try and tease out fast loss, fat loss. We try and coerce it out. Yes. We're not trying to just rip it off with a nope. chainsaw, which is no, what I, I used to do. Yeah. I tell clients, you know, a lot of times I said, we massage fat loss, you know, yeah, we bring that's, it along that's a good term slowly. for it. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. I'm going to steal that massage it out. Yeah. Um, I had one of my, uh, physique uh pros you know her biofeedback this week we had her, her carbs have been pulled 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 she wasn't getting her heart rate up at all for her cardio so i flopped it i, I took like 40 of her protein away and put it all into carbs brought her fast down a little bit and then brought you know the carbs up even more and she checked in and her heart rate was getting into proper zone she was tighter she was actually up a pound but she looked way better and those are moves and things that you know as you get comfortable as a coach you know when to do and how to do. And that really comes down to the art form of coaching. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, next question. Luke yep. Harris, what's the minimum amount of protein that you'd like to see physique athletes take in, whether they're enhanced or natural? So that mm -hmm. that's a good question. You know, that's something it I don't is. think we've talked a ton about what we, and I think a lot of these questions come from, they want to know what we do as coaches. Um, yep. So what, what's your take on that? What's the minimum amount of protein that you like to see your physique athletes take in? Minimum amount for me is going to be one gram about per pound. Um, that's going to be about as low as I'm going to take it. Now, there are some times when I've done 0.8 times, you know, body weight. Um, and that might be with gut issues or, you know, where I'm trying to fix someone and I just can only use so many calories and I, I feel like carbs or, you know, fats are, are going to, you know, be a better option. But generally speaking, um, you know, I like to see probably closer to, you know, if someone's trying to grow and it's a man, 1.5 times body weight, um, women, maybe 1.25. So if they're 130 pounds, I might end up around 150, 155 to start. I'm not a huge protein guy, but I, you know, I don't, I don't go heavy on it. In other words, like two times body weight, but here's the deal. When you're on peds, you can certainly process more protein. Like that's, that's one of the things that the reason you take, you know, performance enhancing drugs. So protein turnover is going to be improved protein synthesis. So if, if digestion can stay healthy uh, and running well, then I am going to bump those athletes with more protein than if they were natural. But if those bumps cause tons of gas, tons of bloat, um, you know, all these different digestion problems, I would rather have someone on what we might quote unquote call a naturals intake um, as opposed to just pushing it because, Oh, they're on peds. They have to have this amount of protein. That's not the way to look at it. I always now guide everything in terms of protein and, and really any intake. Uh, how's the digestion going? And then we move forward from there. So that's kind of where I go with things. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty close. I like to, I like to try and guess, you know, this question is about physique athletes. So, you know, you can pretty much get a, an, an idea of what someone's lean mass is because, you know, if they're just, you know, 10 pounds over stage and then you can 
you know, if you know what their stage weight's going to be, you can kind of figure out their lean mass. So I, I usually like to take my natural athletes, you know, either 1.25 or 1.5 times their lean mass. And that gets somebody, you know, if somebody has 180 pounds of lean mass, they might take in around 270 grams of protein. That's at 1.5. If I feel like that's too much or the digestion's not doing well, I might, I might drop that down to 1.25 and they might take in, I don't know, I think maybe 240 grams of protein. Um, but it really just depends. And again, this is where this is an art form. The, you know, the other thing is the only time I will take this lower is when someone's on a ketogenic diet. I know we haven't covered keto in detail yet, but the bulletproof way that I found with, with athletes, and if, dude, it took me a long time, but I finally figured out a way where they don't have the keto flu and they don't have any issues is I literally take their lean mass and take that times one. So if someone is 180 pounds of lean mass, like that's me, I can take in 180 grams of protein on a ketogenic diet and I'm not going to turn it over and kick it, kick it out as carbs and, um, you know, have the keto flu or anything like that. So that's actually what I teach in my keto class that I just got done doing. And I've never had problems with that formula, one gram of protein per pound of lean mass. Um, and then the only other thing that I'll add is sometimes people's protein intake can be higher because if they're training with a shit ton of volume, yeah. and they're really, really training with a shit ton of volume and they need to recover, then I, I, I won't go with a minimum. I'll go with a little bit higher protein intake just to help that person recover. But honestly, man, that, and I think I said this on the last question, it's probably a whole podcast that we can do on protein and, and how to figure up intakes and who should be higher, who should be lower, you know, right. how's it tied to gut health? Like there's so many things we can talk about, but pretty much for natties, I like to recommend like 1.25 times their lean mass. So that yeah. kind of, that it seems to be in, you know, one gram per pound of body weight, I think is what you had mentioned your minimum was. Yeah. That's pretty bulletproof and easy too. If they're a physique athlete, because if you're a physique athlete, you shouldn't be fat as fuck in the off season. Right. Like right. if you're a natural guy weighing 280 pounds, you're way too fucking heavy and fat. So, right. you know, <laughs> I'm probably yeah. going to set their protein down there, you know, maybe 240 or something. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, <clears throat> if digestion is good and you start at one times your um, body weight, and digestion is great. I mean, there's no problem bumping it up, but just watch your biofeedback and how things are going. Um, you know, when I do have people that come to me, like I get people sometimes who once had a really good physique and then they, they've fallen off. They're not eating a bunch of protein. As soon as you get them back on a good protein intake, their body changes fast. So we do know that like the more protein, the better, except, I mean, there's always that, that that area where digestion is going to go to shit and you know that's when you just you've overdone it you know you just don't need to to be pushing that much protein so find that happy meeting where everything feels really good and you're at least getting one gram uh per body weight or a john's formula and then go from there and then and add as you as you need based on how how your biofeedback is okay next question comes from tiffany leave she says, John, you mentioned cycling your rep ranges. Can you expand more on that? And if you feel there's any certain way that's superior. So Jason, what, what this was is this was a question sent directly to me. And I said, Hey, mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to get this on the show. So people want to know about cycling their rep ranges. Should you just train in one rep range? Like, so say we're going to train chest Monday and we're you and I, we're going to train chest Monday and we're going to train it Thursday. Would you recommend to your clients or us to hit one rep range, like maybe H12 on Monday and then hit the higher rep ranges on Thursday? Um, 
I want to get your take on this and I'll tell you the couple of different ways that I've been doing it so I can answer from my end. What do you like to recommend for your clients? Do you like to keep those if ref you ranges? Look at most of my training plans and then just the way I train myself, I hit all rep ranges generally. Well, I hit a varied rep range each training session. So, um, you know, I might have, uh, you know, uh, an incline, um, chest press where I do 12s and then I might go and do, you know, flat dumbbells and do eights. And then I might have a pec deck where I aim for 15s. Um, that's generally how I train and been doing it for years. There's nothing wrong with having an, a, a power day where you're in the six to eight range. And then you having a hypertrophy day where you're in the 12 to 15. There's nothing wrong with that. And I have programs that I set up like that too. But if I look at my own training and way most of my plans are written, I'm hitting, I'm trying to hit the most amount of fibers in each like session. So that's generally how my plans look. Yeah. And I, I've, most of my clients are set up with a push pull leg split twice a week. So most people are hitting, you know, six days a week of training, sometimes five, if they've got a standout body part, I'll just have them train that once. So, you know, generally they'll do a heavy day and then they'll do more of a hypertrophy, higher rep range day later on that week. But what I've had a lot of people starting to switch to is to hit all three rep ranges in one workout. And that's, I think that's kind of yeah. what you were saying, the yeah. same thing. So yeah. if someone's going to, you know, train chest, they might start off and they might, you know, bench in the eight to 10 rep range, and then they might move on to incline and they might do that in the 12 to 15 rep range. Right. And then their next two exercises, they might do in the 20 rep range, maybe even 30, but you're hitting all the different rep ranges in one workout. And I've just noticed over time, especially as people get older, they like to do that instead of one full day where you're hitting like four or five exercises all in those heavy rep ranges. Their joints yep. just don't seem to recover. And honestly, they're so trashed the next day. Their CNS is so trashed because heavy rep ranges are what tra really trashes people's central nervous system. Yes. They're so trashed that it's hard for them to train again the next day. And if you pair up another heavy day, and that's why I try and be careful with that with my programming too. If you have back-to-back -back heavy days, you're, you need to have a day off the next day, but something, you know, fuck, if you're training six days a week, that one day off is hard to kind of program in there. So I've kind of gone more to that is what I'm saying. I, I think I'm kind of along the same lines as you. Yeah. Um, I don't think any way is superior. I think people need to, you know, try it all and see yes. how they feel, but you're certainly not, you're not going to hurt anything if you just spread your rep ranges out in the workout. That's for damn sure. There's, there's no. no drawbacks in my opinion. No, not at all. Not at all. I mean, you know how training goes, like find what works and, and, and milk it as long as you can. And then, and then switch things up, you know? So that's how I do my own. I, I I've been on the same workout for about probably six months now. So. Yeah. Make, making great progress with it. Yeah. Um, next question comes from, uh, Nick Maurer back to training. How often should you change your workout routine? So how often, it's funny, you said I've been doing the same yeah. workout for six months and then there's the, there's the next question. So um, for your clients, all right, we, we'll, we'll talk about this for your clients and then you know, everybody knows you've been doing the same thing for six months. I think you've been doing the same thing longer than that, Jay, because I stayed at your house last uh, July. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. So you're probably getting closer to a year, maybe, right? So what, what would you recommend for your clients? If you're so a lot of my somewhere. clients, I do 10 weeks. Um, and, and as I write up a plan, I'll say, we're going to do this about eight to 10 weeks, but I'm, I, I'm going to have them check in with me. And then, you know, sometimes I do change it, but others, sometimes I ask like, you know, are you still, are you still getting better at executing your reps? Are you still feeling 
a stimulus from this workout or are you really stale? Um, I think the better someone gets at training, the actual art of training, the longer they can stay on a workout. The, 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 the less experienced you are, um, it seems like those people get bored faster and can't tease out as much of a workout. And part of that is just you need time to become a master at the actual art of training. Like there is an art to it and I get better at it. I feel like every year. Um, and so I think that's why I can stay on something six months and, and I'm constantly like figuring out different ways, like adjusting this, adjusting that, like making sure my elbows are, are, are in the right proper patterns and following the, I'm always trying to figure out a better way to make it uh, target the muscle. And so that's why I can stay on long. I, I usually do about 10 weeks, but like I said, for my more advanced people, I'll ask them, I'll say, Hey, do you think you got another three, four, five, six weeks on there? And if they say, Oh, certainly then, then I just hold it. I rock it on and, and we keep going. Yeah. One thing I like to do with my clients is I, I like to do around five or six weeks. So I, I, you know, I'll set somebody up on a workout plan and I don't make them stick to the exact exercises because I'm not there with them in person. Like somebody, if I wrote bench on there, and they just absolutely suck at it or they hate it and they just don't feel it like they should. Yep. Well, go use the chest press, take right. your time. Like it's a fixed motion. Like I don't care, but, but I try and program their total volume. Like how many sets they're doing the rep ranges, yeah. how yep. many exercises, but I'm real flexible with picking the exercises. So with that being said, I like to give them a workout plan and a split and I tell them, you know, about every five or six weeks, I say, okay, I want, we're going to overreach for one to two weeks. And then what I do is I purposely just beat them into the dirt. I have them take every single set to complete failure. And I had them add one set to every exercise. So like their volume goes up, the intensity goes up and that's the recipe for overreaching and it's done on purpose. So what we do, it's, you know, in the powerlifting world, you know, whenever I did meets and Leslie as well, and I've got a lot of clients that still do meets you purposefully get really, 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 really heavy. And then you take a deload and you give your body a break. Everything recovers, your joints, your CNS, and then you come back and you actually get stronger in the weeks following um, because it's, it's a nice change in a stimulus. So I do the same thing with my bodybuilders and physique athletes. So, you know, every five, six weeks, boom, we're going to overreach for one to two weeks and then we're going to deload. And on that deload, I have them train in the 20, 30 rep range. And I tell a lot of people these days, I'm like, listen, just go in for three days go have fun. Like, I don't even give a shit what you train, go in, get a pump, have fun, high reps, stick to your diet, but let your body recover. And then we're going to go another five to six weeks. And I want to monitor like your strength. I want to monitor how you feel the whole nine yards. And to me, it's been a good way to help my natural athletes put size on. Um, because if I don't do that, they'll just do the same thing over and over and over again. And they never really focus on getting stronger. So that's kind of been something I've done probably for the last, I don't know, five, six, seven years. And it's worked well. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely different than anything I do. Um, but I get the meaning behind it and what yeah. you're accomplishing. And I, it just comes from the strength world. You know, I, I did, I think four meets total and I've got a lot of clients to do. So it, you know, it helped translate with strength. So I, I just applied it for muscle gain and, and it, and it works. So, yeah. um, the next question is, Okay, here's a good one for you, man. This is from Jonathan Travis. Should I take a prebiotic and a probiotic or just a probiotic? And, and I say that's a good one for you because 
you've got a, your greens are the perfect yep. example for me. It's exactly why I take those because they have a prebiotic, but a lot of yep. people, they don't know. They're like, fuck, should I take both? Should I just take one? Which one? So what, right. what do you see? What do you say? Yeah. I mean, I, personally, I mean, I, I, I'm a big fan of gut health. I mean, I, I just, I've seen what it's done for me when I finally focused on it for myself. Um, I, I think you should, I mean, if you're going to spend money on a really good, um, prebiotic, um, like, you know, new ethics makes floor protect. And so, you know, there's seven different strains in there that are really healthy for digestion. Um, if you're going to spend money on something like that, I think then you should, you know, feed, feed the good bugs. And so, you know, our gourmet greens does have prebiotics and it. it's got certain types of fibers that are very, very helpful for feeding, um, you know, the good bugs that you're putting in your body. So yes, I think that you should. Now, again, you can accomplish this by adding foods that are, you know, FODMAPs, um, you know, different things like that. So you don't have to spend money. You know, you don't have to go buy gourmet greens or have to go buy a prebiotic. There's plenty of foods. Um, you know, if you look at a, at a FODMAP uh, just listing, most of those are going to, you know, help feed the good, the good bacteria. So, um, yes, I do believe investing in a good probiotic and yes, I do believe in adding a prebiotic, but you can accomplish that with, uh, foods and, and fiber, um, getting a good insoluble and soluble and then certain FODMAP foods, um, things like that and in, into your, into your system. So I think it's a good idea. Yeah. And, and there's a reason if people watch my Instagram stories, there's a reason why I show my whey protein shake with the espresso greens pre-workout and post-workout. And that's, that's just when I can remember to get it in. Mm -hmm. uh, but I take it twice a day and then also a probiotic as well. And yep. it, there's, that's for a reason because yep. it's, I'm trying to maximize it from both ends. But a question, Jason, that most people had, if you had to pick one, which one should I take? Would you lean on probiotic? I would lean on probiotic and then just use, you know, foods, like I said, to, you know, to feed them, you know, you don't have to spend the extra money on, on the gourmet greens or, you know, something listed prebiotic, you know, buy another sure. bottle, but yes, I would put the money into the probiotic and then just use foods to feed them. There like even green foods. tea is a good prebiotic. Like I'm sipping on some now. So I'll end up having like two scoops of, of gourmet greens a day. And I have two tea bags in this green tea and I do this every day, have it at least once. And, and green tea is a great prebiotic. So and that's cheap. I mean, shit, you can buy tea bags for nothing. So, you know, there's definitely ways. So I would put the money in a really good probiotic because if you get a shitty probiotic, um, you can actually give yourself SIBO. Right. Um, so, you know, definitely at least trust the company that you're getting them from. Put it that way. Or you can just drink monsters and fucking give yourself SIBO. <laughs> Not to say that's what I have going on. Right. <laughs> All right. Next question is, and, and I love this question. This comes from uh, Tina Cartwright. My labs show that my sex hormone binding globulin is really high. It's like mm -hmm. 258 and they mm -hmm. listed the normal ranges on my labs between 10 and 180 for a premenopausal yep. woman yep. is this bad and how do i fix it because yep. they didn't label it high on my blood work and you know i i talked with her you know on on the back end and i yep. did get her help but i said listen we need to we need to talk about this on the show oh yeah yeah Dude, this is one of those things i don't think people realize that when your sex hormone binding globulin is so high like that it's literally crushing your free testosterone yes. you guys go back and listen to episode three we we talk about all that detail but Man, there's there's two ways that I see on labs. 
with my clients when they come back that their free T is real low. Either their, their total test is real low and then their free T is real low. Yep. Or I've got a lot of people, a lot of people that their total test is, it, it's okay. Like it's middle range. You know, I even had a guy at 800, but his free T was just garbage. So I immediately kept scrolling and boom, there it was. Sex hormone buying globulin was high as fuck. Yep. And it was making his free T low. So um, I'll, I'll let you explain a little bit more, anything that you want to say, but just kind of a real quick story on the correlation that I see there, because I know there's cortisol tied in as well. So yes. the question is, is it bad and how do I fix it? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, yes, it's not good because sex hormone binding globulin, just so you understand what it's doing, it's helping move um, the hormones through your bloodstream so that they can basically then connect with androgen receptors. And then once it, you know, connects, does its thing, you know, elicits its, its and, androgenosity, <laughs> I know it's not a word, but on the body, then it moves along. And, and SHBG is what does this. But when it's too high, just like John said, it's going to bind up to all those and not allow them to um, be seated with the androgen receptor. So what's going on here is stress. Stress is what drives that too high. So you're probably going to have a higher cortisol. So you're going to have to get your stress taken care of. And, and, you know, I would start with looking at cortisol and then your life, you know, just like your, your, your patterns and, and what types of things stress you, but maybe training has to be pulled back. And then I add stinging nettles. Um, now foods makes one 250 milligrams. I do about three or four a day spread out with meals as I'm bringing down and de-stressing the body. And usually the way I do that is through less training, uh, more food. And then I address any other functions that are off in the lab work. Um, but you're going to want to get that down stinging nettles and de-stressing is going to be the best way to, uh, to handle that. Yeah. It's definitely one of those things you, you never want to see your free tea, not for people like us. You don't want to see your free tea low. Um, I mean, you're talking about just a recipe to really not make a lot of progress. Yeah, so, correct. um, man, stress is so interesting. Cortisol is so interesting on how many different ways it impacts our bodies. It's kind of a nice yep. peel back the curtain yep. for people to understand that's an exact, I mean, you're talking about limiting muscle. People always talk about how muscle, uh, cortisol promotes, um, muscle loss, right? Yes. But they don't understand that it's these little ways like there that it fucking robs you. Like it Correct. literally comes into your house and robs you and you don't even know you're being robbed. Correct. I mean, just look what it does to thyroid. It makes it, it causes T4 to convert to reverse T3 <laughs> instead right. of, you know, free T3. Cortisol, I mean, I've said it before, but I, I have gone on record and I'll, I'll always say it. The more I learn, the more I realize that stress and how we deal with it and perceive it and metabolize cortisol is at the root of most diseases and, you know, dysfunctions in hormones. I, I really believe that. Yeah. Public enemy number one, man, yep. Not in, in our world. Okay. Yep. Looks like we've got one more question here to wrap up part one. This is from Caitlin Go. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Caitlin Goff. Uh, when reverse dieting, how do you reduce cardio and increase calories without gaining too much fat? And this, this was a question I wanted to get on here because there's a misconception in that question. And, and we talk about this on the metabolic capacity and reverse dieting podcast a little bit. I think it was like episode 18. But the question is, when reverse dieting, how do you reduce cardio and increase calories without too much fat gain? So, you know, I just want to go ahead and kick this off and just make a statement here. There's a lot of people, and Caitlin, this, is, this could be to you, and I tell this to my clients all the time. 
when you are reverse dieting and you're coming off either a show diet or you're just coming off a diet to get leaner because you were just heavy, whatever, and you're reverse dieting, you're cutting calories, cardio back. I tell people all the time, you're not really going to gain weight on the 20 carbs that I just added to your diet. So if you go from 105 carbs a day to 130 a day or 125 a day, you're not going to gain fat on that. People are gaining fat because they're cheating on the fucking diet. And let's just be real. That happens to a lot of people when you reverse diets. It's one of the hardest things that you do. And I have a lot of clients are like, hey, I'm not happy. I'm gaining too much fat. And I just have to have a heart to heart. I'm like, listen, from my end as your coach, that 20 carbs or 15 carbs I just added this week is not causing you to gain two pounds this week. What'd you have? What'd you eat? What'd you drink? Fuck, I drank like three glasses of wine, like two nights in a row. Well, there, there we go. Um, so that's kind of a statement that I want to say. So when people look at it in that context, they should never be afraid to slowly add calories and pull cardio back. So Jason, is there anything you want to add to that? Or do you want to talk about kind of, you know, your recommendations on, on how you talk to clients when it comes to reverse dieting without gaining fat? Well, I think I'll tag it from both ends. I mean, I think, you know, first and foremost, uh, people need to understand that, you know, as they come off of the show, they are not going to stay that lean. And and part of reverse dieting is to bring, you know, hormones back in. Um, and so, you know, as you get into a caloric surplus, you know, even if it's only 250 calories, which is about where I live year round, you're, you're going to put on a little bit of extra fat. So there's no way to do it bulletproof. And, and some of that is normal, natural, and you should accept it and, and, and be, you know, uh, you don't have to be happy about it, but you need to understand that it's for your for your longevity and your health. Um, but after that, I agree with you. Like if you're doing little bumps and you're sticking to it and just, you know, doing one free meal a week, the fat gain should be fairly minimal, um, you know, within the first five, six weeks because metabolism usually starts to pick up a little bit. Um, hormones are coming back a little bit, not, not raging back, but things are starting to, you know, start back up and bodily wise. So, you know, it really comes down to, um, how well you adhere to it. But I will say this, the harder you had to diet, um, and the more issues you have hormonally from that effort, the lower your metabolism is you know, your thyroid is probably not converting well. Um, testosterone is low, whether you're a man or a woman. And so all these are a recipe for putting on fat very fast. So if you understand that, it's easier to say no at certain times um, as, as you're doing this. I know when I first, my first show prep ever, I did the same things everyone does. I got done. I ate everywhere I went. If they had candy out, I'd munch on it. And if we went somewhere, I'd eat extra and I'd do this and I'd do that. Luckily, I'm just not a person really coded to have a lot of body fat. So I only gained like 15 pounds. That was about all I could put on. I wanted to put on more. Um, but after that, it gets easier. I'll tell you that. Um, now I get done with a show and I go have a steak and maybe, you know, a piece of dessert and I'm back on my plan on the way home. Like, you know, I might have a, I might have a Subway sandwich with no cheese and turkey and, you know, feel like I'm cheating, but I just, I just, it's easier. It gets easier. But the, the, the further down your hormones go, the longer a woman lost her period. So if things weren't programmed, right. Certain supplements weren't used. All those things are going to add up to make it harder. So you got to know where you're at. 
Um, but you got to go in with the attitude that you're not entitled to that food. If you think you're entitled to it, you're going to eat like an idiot. You're going to put on a tons of fat. You're not entitled to it. You're entitled to a lean, healthy physique that you worked hard for. So think of it that way. So now that, that, that's a great way to put it. And by the way, eating like an idiot, we speak from experience, all of us. Um, every time I diet these days, it's a hell of a lot easier, but even after I'm done, like last year when I lost quite a bit of, of body fat, cause I was just getting pretty fat. I was getting pretty bad. Even after I was done, the more extreme I restricted myself and I counted every little morsel, dude, when I'm done, like there, I'm, I'm going to just one night and be like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to have a few extra hundred carbs. And you know, normally like right now, like I'm fine. I don't really care, but it's dieting causes that small mental rebound. So you guys go back and listen to that metabolic capacity and reverse dieting podcast. We go over a lot of this in detail. And one other thing I think would kind of be cool to touch on since it's the last question we have time, you know, when someone's coming off a diet, you know, we always talk about the natural females or natural folks, but let's talk a little bit about assisted folks because dude, I've got people that when I'm done dieting, especially in the past when I worked with a lot more assisted athletes, I don't really do so much now, man, they would just come off everything cold Turkey. So you're talking about, <laughs> you're talking about being in a really bad state, especially if it's a female, you know, if someone's using T3, if they're using clen to finally cut down and they cut all that shit cold Turkey, um, they're done being on gear. They're just done with everything. They're tired of fucking injections, a whole nine yards. And then you pair that up with, eating everything in sight dude yeah. i have seen especially females like i just have i've seen them get to the point where they can never compete ever again and you talk about it being bad for for natural females but i've seen that situation in assisted female to where they try and quote unquote go back to natural and man i've seen some real horror stories that's you probably don't deal with that as much these days because you're walking them through it but you've seen that quite a bit right oh yeah i mean like you've seen it where uh you know, they used VAR, Clin, maybe T3 and some Novadex. And, you know, they'll say, well, the coach didn't give me any guidance post-show. And maybe that's true. Um, but maybe they didn't stick with them either. You, you never know the true facts. But, yeah, like they come off. And, you know, if you don't understand, by taking Anavar, you're, it's a negative feedback loop for your testosterone. So you, you stop producing testosterone. Um, so once you pull that, and then if you're taking T3, the thyroid, you know, drops for a bit. Clin, you know, your adrenals are down now. Um, if you were taking Novadex, your estrogen's plummeted. And now it's going to spike big time. And as you lower, as testosterone's lower, estrogen's going to spike. They don't understand all these things. And so, yes, that is when you can have a huge, a huge shit storm. And, um, you know, if I have a woman who's not on HRT and she's coming off a show prep and I'm pulling all that stuff, I, um, I have a cocktail of supplements. I put them on one of them's Humanifort and I'm really trying to jump, um, you know, the HPA quickly. Um, and, and shameless plug, we're coming out with a product called jumpstart. That's going to do just that for people, but, oh, perfect. Uh, yeah, but you know, it, it, that can be a real shit storm. You're 100% correct. Man, this was a great set of questions. Um, if you guys ever want to send questions, you can you can hit up my email. It's in the show notes. Jason's email is there is there as well. I know you've got a class coming up in June, uh, yep. so if people want to hit you up for that, you've got some open spots, correct? Well, I'm at ten, but I'm going to go ahead and do fourteen because I did it last time. So I've got I've got four spots, but it's been another good um, turnout for it for sure. 
Yeah. All right. You guys have time. This will drop here in just a, uh, in just a few days. So yeah, they'll have time for the June yes, class. They will. So yep. hit the show notes up and uh, send us an email. But the reason why I listed that is if you guys ever have questions or topics or guests that you want to hear on the show, just hit me with an email and uh, be glad to talk shop with you. So that's it for part one. We're going to get part two knocked out here shortly for myself and Jason. We're out of here. Thanks guys. See ya.